giving you new perspectives and information with deep dive expert analysis of the biggest stories that shaped your world this week. It is 10 minutes after 6 p.m. This is a Friday, so it is time for this week. Today, we will take a look at the biggest issues of the week, both domestically as well as globally. Today, we bring you another special broadcast. It was a year ago, about, when the world was in shock at the Russian invasion of the Ukraine. Today, we're going to take a look back at what has been the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And joining me for this conversation is Dr. Chidochatze Unyera, who's a research fellow at the Institute of Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg. She'll be joining me over Zoom in a short while. I'm also joined in studio by Ina Kutsia. Ina is the Ukraine Association of is part of the Ukrainian Association of South Africa, and I'm also joined by Alex Arafif, who is the spokesperson to the Russian Embassy in South Africa. You can be a part of this conversation, and I do encourage you. Give me a call, 086-000-2032. That's the number to dial, 086-000-2032. I'm also taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. Tweet me, it is at Oliver underscore speaking on Twitter and Oliver Dixon on Facebook. We're streaming the show live on all our digital platforms, so you can go on to SAFM on Twitter and while as on Facebook, and you can also join us on our YouTube platform and you can watch and listen to this live and do share it with friends and family. If you miss part of the conversation, the podcast will be available right after the show on safm.co.za. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we start the conversation. This week today, Fridays, 6 to 7 p.m. 13 minutes after 6 o'clock and we're talking about the Russian invasion of Ukraine. It's been a year. What has happened? What should not have happened? How do we mitigate any sort of loss of life and damage? But more importantly, what is the way out of this situation? 086-000-2032. That's the number to dial. Alex, I want to start with you. Does the Russian Federation still insist that this is not a war? Well, we still stick with the name of special military operation because it hasn't been changed for whatever reason. And the war hasn't been officially declared, for one thing. So it's uh, purely legally not mm. called a war. So mm. it's a special military operation. It's not that we're insisting it's what we call it, and we just stick with the name. There were three different reasons, distinctly so, that... <clears throat> Russian uh, President Vladimir Putin had advanced for the reason of the invasion of the Ukraine. The first, he claimed that there was a genocide in happening in the Ukraine that he was looking to avert. The second, he claimed, uh, was that he's doing it as a response to NATO aggression. And then thirdly, he claimed that uh, that the Fe- Russian Federation has uh, at least the landmass of, land of, of the Ukraine is the rightful uh, landmass of the Russian Federation. All three of those, those different reasons came at different times. What's the real reason? Well, uh, the, the, the reasons are just exactly as our president specified. Uh, I, I cannot, I'm not in a position, I'm not well, going to you know, change it somehow. This is what we are, but I can expand on every of this, of this reason to give like a broader context of what actually of all those mentioned reasons uh, actually mean, because it has the broader landscape behind it. So let's start with the first one you mentioned, the NATO enlargement. Uh, true, this is a long playing tune, uh, because the NATO enlargement came, as a, came after the West has broken the promise to the Soviet leadership and later Russian leadership not to expand NATO 
eastwards towards our towards Russian borders. And for decades, Russia has been indicating that this uh, is a direct threat to Russian national security and this cannot stand. But unfortunately, or our police or our proposals to engage on this matter were, well, they fell on deaf ears. And the West apparently drunk of its sense of superiority and impunity after the collapse of Soviet Union, decided that it can just do whatever it wants in this world and it just pushed NATO forward, I mean, towards, towards Russian borders. Uh, while completely ignoring any attempts to mitigate the issue diplomatically. And uh, speaking of Ukraine in, in specifically, uh, when it comes to NATO, uh, we mentioned it on numerous occasions on various levels, in, including on the top level, that... Uh, the matter is not formal membership of Ukraine within NATO. It's not what we what the issue is about, because NATO was engaging with Ukraine militarily, and they were exploring the the the, the, the territory of Ukraine in a military sense, without formal membership of NATO. So, right. uh, and deployment of NATO troops and equipment that this is still poses a, a threat to Russian Federation. We notified our colleagues uh, from the West on numerous occasions on this matter, and yet no response uh, except for, uh, well, complete disregard to Russia's security concerns or to Russia's position uh, on this on this thing. That's that's uh, the that's one reason with late NATO enlargement. Uh, second, uh, pardon me. Could you please recall? The third reason uh, was that this is rightfully Ukrainian the second territory. One. The second one. That there's a genocide happening in Ukraine that is attempting True. to avert. Thank you. Yes, uh, we describe it as genocide because that's what it is. Uh, because for nine years already, uh, the people of Donbass uh, and the population of this region of the eastern Ukraine is predominantly Russian, has been killed, slaughtered, raped, and otherwise uh, uh, injured. Uh, otherwise attacked, uh, just for the sole reason, just because they want to keep their Russian identity, they want to keep close ties with Russia, they wanted to speak Russian language, they want to be without the Russian culture. That's the only reason. Oh yes, uh, this is the major reason, the main reason. But there was also a second one, because the Donbas region did not recognize the results of unconstitutional coup that took place in Kiev in 2014. The European powers, like France, Germany, and Poland, they guarantee they act as a guarantors of those agreements, but. Despite that, uh, the Ukrainian opposition discarded this, well, rather thrashed this agreement with with the then President Yanukovych, uh, President of Ukraine, I mean, Yanukovych in 2014, and they just discarded the the entire agreement on the very next day, the, despite being despite having European powers as its guarantors, and EU just shrugged shoulders, said, well, can't do anything about it. So this is how the unconstitutional coup took place in Kiev, and that provoked. Uh, a military conflict, a civil war within Ukraine, with the Donbas region and well the e the eastern regions of Ukraine, had to be in opposition to the to the Kiev because they launched a military action against them. They started bombarding them right away. There was no trying. There was no no attempt to launch a political dialogue with those regions. No. Uh, straight away attacks. You, when you say those regions, are you indirectly speaking about the Russian uh, Federation? Uh, I'm speaking about the Donetsk People's Republic and Lugansk People's Republic. They had to declare independence first from Ukraine, uh, because well, they were, they saw no other options because they could no longer stay within Ukraine. They're not independent. They? Not anymore. Uh, they they are part of Russia now, uh, because uh, as uh, as a result of recognized by by Russia uh, and by Syria, I guess. Uh, North Korea. Just, just lastly, I, I, Look, I do want us uh, to move on. Just well, let, let me let me say, let me finish this. Uh, if you if you mentioned recognition, 
information recognition. Uh, well, Russia had to take action and to take responsibility for those people because they've been slaughtered for nine years, as What's I said. What's the evidence well, for that? Because there doesn't seem to be any evidence that suggests really? that... Really? Look a, it up a, on the internet. It, take you, it will take you five minutes to find any, any evidence you, you could possibly find. Uh, I can tell you about the... Not just Donbass, by, by the way. It uh, also comes to Odessa, let's say. In 2014, there was an event. Uh, it's called the Odessa Trade Unions Massacre. It took place on 2nd of May 2014. It was a peaceful protest. Well, Ukrainian side calls it pro-Russian protest, but it was anti-anti-constitutional coup, anti-coup protest in Odessa. So they brought the, the the people from Kiev and like Western Ukraine to to Odessa. They pushed the demonstrators, pushed the entire people, the entire crowd into the union's building house, and later torched it leaving no people with no chance to escape. So people had to jump from the windows to, in an attempt to save their lives. And then the crowd rushed to them uh, just to finish them off. Dozens of people died. And uh, nine years later, there was no investigation conducted in Ukraine whatsoever. It's a crime. It's still a crime. And, well, no one's going to investigate this crime. And same happened to Donbass. There's a special memorial in Donetsk. It's called the Alley of Angels. It's dedicated to the children that have been killed as a result of bombardment uh, committed by the Ukrainian troops and, uh, well, the pictures of those okay. alleys, they, it can be found on the Internet. I can share it with you if you want. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not a hard find, actually, on, on the net. You know, is there a genocide happening in the Ukrainian Donbas region? Yes, at the moment, the genocide cases are everywhere in Ukraine because it's happening... Uh, due to the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, however, there was not registered any genocide cases uh, in Donbass and Lugansk and the uh, Crimea regions for nine years. Yes, um, the war actually started nine years ago when Russia just decided to cut Crimea of Ukraine. For whatever it is reasons, it was our land. They came and the world was silent. Then they went to Donbass. There were lots of Russian-speaking people. I am Russian-speaking person. I was born in Odessa. And my Ukrainian was very weak until the war started. But then I realized that my language has a power and has a value to me. So there was no cases of genocide registered. However, whoever had that assumption could address this issue uh, and United Nations could investigate this. They have a power to enter any country, any situation, and basically investigate anything in the world. And it wasn't done. So I see this as just fabrication of facts. And even the mentioning of you can look up on the internet, you know what you can look up on the internet? And how actually through that information what you can look up. Today we have facts. Every day, Ukrainian people dying for no reason whatsoever. There is no evidence, official evidence, that Ukraine had intent to be part of NATO and there were any steps taken towards that. So all this is just the fantasy, the fantasy of somebody who created this war to please its own ego and show the world the power. 
nothing else. At the moment, every night, every night, our cities are bombed. Schools, hospitals, there are civilians dying every day. What for? How is it going to end? It's in the hands of the world. Who are you with? It's your decision. It's decision of each and every person. How you see the world in the future. Mm. Do you want to live by the rule of the fear? And do you want to be ruled by people who just invading your country? Or you want to speak your language, sleep at night, send your children to school, and be peaceful mm. in your country, in your sovereign country. It's a question to everybody, not only to Ukraine. Ukraine had done nothing to Russian Federation ever to create this conflict. Uh, I, I want to ask you this, Alex, mm -hmm. to test the veracity around whether invading a country on the premise that you think that they might become a member of NATO is consistently sustained by the Russian Federation. If the region of Kazakhstan were looking to become a NATO member... Uh, would Kazakhstan is not a region. It's a country. Yeah. Well, if Kazakhstan wanted to become a NATO member, would the Russian Federation invade them? No. Uh, you see, uh, I would like to first comment on what I've just heard, if I may. Well, uh, first I heard that well, there was no intention or no steps taken by Ukraine to become NATO member. Well, that's hardly true, because this intent is enshrined in Ukraine's constitution for a moment, you know. So uh, at least that, uh, it, it's declared as its national goal. What do you mean, no but steps But the Ukrainian take? president came out and said, we are not looking to join NATO. Oh, and then, uh, well, a week later, he said the exact opposite. And uh, other uh, other officials by Ukraine said the exact opposite. And the same president by Ukraine uh, of Ukraine said that the people who live in Donbass are not people at all, they are species. So uh, the, this genocide approach towards Donbass, we, we heard a lot about uh, being able to speak language, to sleep peaceful at night. So why Donbass could speak, uh, speak its own language, which is Russian, or sleep peaceful at night? Because uh, Kiev just launched an aggression against those people. They, there were no army there. They had no means to prote of protecting themselves. Those are peaceful people. The children that were born in Donbass... Why has the United Nations never confirmed this as a genocide? This is a good question to UN, not to Russia. Russia is a permanent member of the Security Council. Uh, true. Uh, so is US. So is UK. So is France. They also have veto powers. If we if we if we don't if we follow that path, uh, it's not that Russia can override any decision uh, of UN whatsoever. And it, it, UN wasn't decided the way that one country can just do whatever it wants. But the West has a lot of representation in UN, and uh, the West uh, set a well specific ob objective to undermine the entire system of international international law, and replace it with rules based order. But that's a, a different question, I guess. Uh, so I'm not going to delve into that for a moment. Uh, no, uh, and. You see, let's not put it like Russia just suddenly decided uh, to invade Ukraine. We, we see constant attempts in the Western media or other medias that follow the same pattern, the same way of describing things or reporting on them, uh, is that Russia just suddenly, with no reason, just woke up in the morning and decided to attack Ukraine. But that's not exactly true. Because uh, in, after 2014, 
uh, when the civil war in Ukraine started. There was a special package of agreements uh, concluded upon, and it was actually endorsed by UN Security Council. I'm referring to Minsk agreements. Minsk agreements was the very document that ensured territorial integrity of Ukraine. Outside Crimea, because Crimea joined Russia as a result of a referendum, it was a free expression of will. And it is a principle of UN Charter, of the self-determination of peoples. So they just self-determined as Russians. What's the problem with that? Ukraine can, well, can't reconcile with that fact, but it's still the fact the people have spoken. But sovereignty doesn't work on the self-determination of people within a specific region declaring, yeah, we feel like being Russian today, therefore we will, being, will no, be Russian. We, in, Sovereign, sovereignty is a lot more than just such a declaration. Uh, true, but uh, the people just said, not just because we want to be Russian and join Russia. No, of course not. They felt threatened. And uh, judging by what happened to Donbass, uh, well, they counted right. Because if you if Ukraine stayed within you within if Ukraine stayed within Ukraine jurisdiction, they would have suffered the same fate as Donbas. And Kiev regime every day proves Crimea right to join Russian Federation to have joined Russian Federation. Give us a call zero eight six triple zero two zero three two zero eight six triple zero two zero three two. I want to I want to uh, bring Dr. Nyera into the conversation from the University of Johannesburg. Dr. Nyera, uh, thank you so much for joining us this evening. Really, really do appreciate it. Joining us over our Zoom line. Uh, we, we've spoken a little bit in this discussion about the pretext under which Russia uh, had decided to invade the Ukraine. One being that there's a genocide. Two, as you would have heard, that the expansion of NATO was a threat to the sovereignty of Russia and Ukraine uh, having a constitutional ambition to join NATO uh, was, was enough reason for that. And three, and importantly here, that um, the, the, the Western aggression was escalating to the point where if Ukraine joined NATO, that Russian uh, territory would have been uh, severely, severely under threat. Um, and what what are your thoughts around the United Nations not having declared a, a, a genocide? Yet? Because now what we're having here is a, a, a conflict, an impasse of fact. What's the facts of the moment and who do we believe? Good evening, uh, Oliver. Thank you for having me and good evening to your listeners. So there are many implications in terms of the facts that have been proffered by my, co my colleagues in studio. Um, the first thing is that should the UN declare um, the conflict between Russia and Ukraine a genocide, there are implications because then the UN no, sorry, I meant, I meant very specifically, a, a, the, by genocide, I meant very specifically not the ongoing conflict, but very specifically a conflict against Russian identifying and Russian speaking people uh, in the region of, uh, uh, in various reasons, one Crimea being one of them, uh, Donetsk being another, and Russian saying that we have legitimate claim to that ter territory. Right, let's, let's go back then to the Cold War Pact. So I, I heard my colleagues there uh, referring to the 2014 Minsk Agreement, but that comes in much later. We have to locate where the genesis of the problem is. And from where I'm sitting, I recognize the Cold War Pact in terms of the agreement that stood when the Cold War was resolved. It was agreed uh, and... and um, Ukraine acceded to this, that NATO would not further go into Eastern Europe. 
But we now know that that was that has not been the case. We know uh, Poland had to join in uh, the Pact of NATO, and now there is that uh, talk to say Ukraine has to join um, NATO. Now, what could have Russia done? Russia is only enforcing that pact. In other words, Russia is caught up in a security dilemma, right? And this is what I mean. When Ukraine amasses security, and it's amassing security, the intention is to amass security via the NATO uh, confederation. When it does that, it threatens uh, Russia. And Russia is being uh, preemptive of what that could escalate to. And therefore, they had to get the first strike in order to avert a situation where NATO gets into Ukraine. And because of the proximity between Ukraine and Russia, they then have um, access to Russia in terms of their NATO intelligence. Now, this has happened all over the world in terms of NATO. And by the way, maybe let me put my cards uh, on the table here. The war is not necessarily between Russia and Ukraine. From where I sit, the war is between the US and Russia. Ukraine here is just being a proxy that has been used in this ploy by NATO. But the real war is actually the US and NATO. Okay. Ina, do you agree that Ukraine is used as a proxy between a war between Russia and the West? Well, you know, you, it's very hard to argue with experts. I don't have a professor's degree. I'm just speaking for the pro, uh, from the point of view of Ukrainian woman who sees this conflict as one who is suffering from it. You know, and I don't see war as a kind of um, tool to... Uh, kind of mitigate the conflict between different countries. If Russia and U.S. would have anything to talk about, they can do it behind the closed, closed doors. So what is the reason why uh, they decided, uh, why Russia decided to destroy Ukraine? Because basically they bombing everything on a daily basis, as I said, and there will be nothing left. So nothing left, neither for Russia, neither for Ukraine, uh, neither for U.S. So what is the reason? What is the root of this aggression? What is the root of this destruction? Because you can discuss anything, and I'm sure that there will be, there, there were the ways how we could end the conflict. But every time when we came to certain agreements, those agreements were sabotaged. We all know that. We all know about the export of uh, grains from Odia support. We all know about other agreements. We all know about the nuclear stations, which been constantly threatened with bombing. And that is a threat not only for Ukraine, uh, because if this happened, uh, nuclear station can create a big impact onto the environment. Besides that, this conflict creating a big problem with the food shortage in the world because Ukraine supplies 10% of the grain to the world. Okay, so now let's cut it off completely. 
because nothing happened last year, nothing will happen this year. And then escalated to the global level where people just getting hungry. And it's not only in US and Russia, people getting hungry in Africa. Is the Africa also a proxy field for those two countries to uh, see who is more powerful? That is my question. I don't believe that Ukraine is a kind of proxy um, field for, for the war. Yeah. I see it differently. Give us a call, 86 I'll take your calls on the other side of this. Let's take a quick break. Here, there, and everywhere. SAFM 104.4 FM in Durban. Call us on 086-000-2032. Oliver Dixon on SAFM. It's been a year since the Russian invasion of Ukraine, and we're taking a uh, we're taking a look back at, the, uh, at at what has happened. We're discussing really where all of this started, and whether anything significantly has changed to the extent that um, we can exit this war. I'm in conversation um, at this moment with Ina Kutsia, who's a part of the Ukrainians in South Africa organization, and I'm also joined joined by. Um, spokesperson for the Russian embassy in South Africa, Alex Arafif. Um, Dr. Uh, Chido Chasenere, who's a research fellow at the Institute of Pan-African Thought and Conversation at the University of Johannesburg, is with us on our Zoom line. Um, Alex, to what extent is NATO a threat to, to Russia? It's an existential threat. And they said it themselves. Uh, well, they they said that they are uh, well. L- recently, U.S. president said that was objective to bring Russia t- a strategic defeat, and NATO Secretary General Stoltenberg proceeds from the very same position, and other Western diplomats, even diplomats, uh, I mean Joseph Borrell, the chief of EU diplomacy, they want to achieve a battlefield victory, so they they made that clear. It's not even Russia who says that. NATO says it itself. That uh, it was it was it was designed against well Soviet bloc in the, fir- in the first place in 1949 back in those days, and it still is. Uh, it's it's still a tool of uh, the U.S. presence in Europe uh, to keep the, the Europe in line with Washington's interests. That's one of the purpose of NATO, and uh, well they see Russia as a rival uh, they, because Russia Russia's proposal of international. Um, model of international relations which i mean which i mean i mean multipolarity multipolar world by that it's a rival concept so they want to destroy the rival that's what the west has always been doing and that's yeah. not an exception and uh if if i may elaborate on the points made by by the by our uh, by the yeah. distinguished professor well I, I can agree with that that it is a proxy war to russia's deepest regret so uh, so it's a war when we talk about the U.S., but it's not a war when we talk about Russia. It's their military in, uh, operation. We call it special military operation, but let's let's stick with proxy war. We can call it, it proxy. It can't be both. It has to be one. Choose one. Special military operation, but NATO proxy war against Russia. Because these are two different things. Uh, I'll explain. Uh, because the special military operation was launched with specific objectives, like protecting the people, the population of Donbass, denazification of Ukraine, and demilitarization of Ukraine. What I mean by proxy war uh, between NATO, uh, I mean waged by NATO against Russia, 
is uh, well the concept uh, the 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 the, um, the volume of the measures taken by the Western countries to make this yeah. special operation longer, to make the suffering of Ukraine people longer, to make the conflict go longer. I can uh, elaborate on that one as well. As our president said in the recent address to the Federal Assembly, we're not at war with Ukrainian people. We're at, because the Ukrainian people were held hostage by the Kyiv regime and its Western masters. That's exactly what happened. So in this regard, I completely agree with the professor that this is still a proxy yeah. uh, war uh, of NATO against Russia. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately to us, to Russians, because we still consider Ukrainians as, and, as, as brothers and sisters, it's painful to, to fight them. It's painful. It's true. Let but me, the key, but the Kyiv regime won't let that happen. We won't let any peace agreement come so, in the so, so future. So let's just do a quick, quick stress test of that credibility. If NATO made it quite clear that we're not seeking to recruit the Ukraine uh, into NATO, and if Ukraine once again made it quite clear and removed it from its constitution that we do not seek to join NATO, will the Russian Federation withdraw from the Ukraine? No. Uh, not at this point, I guess, uh, because uh, you see uh, the mere declaration, it's a, it's a very fragile, we're walking on a very thin ice here. Well, let me explain. Because we trusted the West so many times before. They promised not to expand NATO. They failed to deliver on that promise. Uh, well, they, they, they promised to keep, well, they, well, they keep this, this charades whether Ukraine is going to join NATO or not join NATO. As I yeah. said before, it's not the, ma- it's not the matter of formal membership of Ukraine within NATO, because NATO weaponizes Ukraine without Ukraine being a member. What does it change from Russia's security perspective? Nothing. Other than that, that just, well, the Ukrainian authorities cannot put NATO flag everywhere, which they do, actually. Uh, So the formalities are not there anymore. The threat emanating from the Ukrainian territory to Russian territory is still there, thanks to Western efforts to stoke the flames of war further. Because since day one of the conflict, not a single peace proposal came from the West. Not a single one. Aside from Russia must be destroyed, defeated, humiliated, separated in different states. We heard all that. This is hardly a peaceful agreement. Under what conditions will Vladimir Putin withdraw from the Ukraine? You have to be Vladimir Putin to make that comment. You speak on behalf of the the embassy and the government? Uh, Yes, I do. But I do not have the the list of... So you don't know? How should I know? The, the president did not talk to me. Hey, Alex, uh, please, please report that on my behalf. If no, you were not to a, take a way. guess, what, under what I'm not conditions? guessing because this is a Russian foreign policy. I'm not a policy maker. So I'm not, this is more like not guessing, more like a speculation. So I'd like to avoid that. Yeah. Russia's not winning this war, it seems. It seems otherwise, actually, uh, because, uh, well, the, you see, winning... Uh, is what de- what depends on what you count as winning. Uh, we're not objective was not to destroy Ukraine, okay? For one thing, objectives I already set out. From Russia's standpoint, would rather not have special operations started, but we were left with no choice, literally, because in February in in December 2021, Russia issued, uh, uh, well, we proposed to the West the draft agreements on security measures. Where we where we propose to the West, okay, let's decide the matter once and for all. Let this NATO limitations push us away from our borders. Uh, so let's let's work on that. Let's let's have a peaceful resolution to this. What we got in response? Nothing. 
nothing but arrogance, nothing but disrespect, and nothing but zero concerns, uh, zero regard to Russia's security yeah. concerns. One thing. Secondly, uh, as you recall, uh, last March in 2022, we engaged. I mean, Russian side engaged the Ukrainian side uh, in Turkey for for the for the peaceful for for the peace talks. As a gesture of free will, we withdrew our troops from the Kiev region. Uh, and from the from the from the Ukrainian capital, because we wanted like to demonstrate that we're willing to negotiate it right then and there. It could have been all been resolved what, then and there. What, what what was being asked at the negotiation table? Come again? What was being asked by the Russian delegation and negotiators at the negotiating table? I can't say what what was the list of the proposals, but the trick was that the Ukrainian side sabotaged it. They <laughs> and and the West are sabotaged because, as I said, uh, the West has zero intention for peace. They benefiting from this war, especially Washington. Yeah. EU is less d- independent in its actions, or to put it mildly, it's completely following Washington's orders. And the main may benefit, uh, be- beneficator of, uh, if I'm saying this correctly, sorry, not, not my, yeah, <laughs> no, sorry, I understand. I understand. Not, my na- not my native tongue. Native tongue. Uh, so uh, the main benefits are uh, accumulated in Washington. And as long as it's beneficial to Washington, Ukrainians will go on dying. Okay. Uh, because it has zero, re- because it has the Washington has zero regards for Ukraine or its people, for yeah. one thing. It, it has zero regards for anyone's people, for that matter. And moreover, uh, when it comes to Minsk agreements, as I said, I'll just finish my thought because I thought I was just kind of well, was yeah. uh, scattered in my thoughts. Minsk agreement was the very formula that ensured the territorial integrity of Ukraine. Why didn't Ukraine follow that formula? is beyond us because of the influence of the West, because the West had no intention of just resolving this conflict then then and there. From Russia's standpoint, it could have been resolved back in 2014 with no special operation even in sight. But unfortunately, that's where we are. You know, should um, Zelensky concede Donbass? Donbass, it's our land, it's Ukraine. That's all. And people who live there can speak Russian or Ukrainian. It's a day choice, but no one is going to give it away. Um, it's basically like you living in a house and somebody comes to you and saying, you know, your dining room is not suitable for you. It's my decision. Therefore, I'm going to occupy it and put my family there and they're going to be there. So basically, that's how we feel about it. Uh, Donbass and Lugansk and Crimea, it's our land. It was always our family. And now the occupied lands are occupied by Russian uh, troops, they were just forced into the uh, referendums where they were forced to choose uh, Russia as a kind of uh, the new ruler. But it's impossible. Let's imagine that Johannesburg will be a part of United uh, States. Maybe <laughs> United States president is a joke. Uh, will declare <laughs> Johannesburg part of U.S. Let's, let's see it as it is. And it, it has really absolutely no meaning and no reason. So all this I can just see is a story. Mm. And um, obviously, as a government official, uh, my um, 
opponent can just repeat what he was told to say. But the truth is, people are dying every day. They're not going to go anywhere from their land. This land belongs to Ukraine. We have 10 million refugees registered. So how come those people were waiting for Russian Federation to come and free us and take our nationality away? And suddenly they flee the country. Why? What's happened? And there is how you want to give this country freedom and everything. That's how you see it. But in the meantime, you're destroying it. Yes, you're bombing, you're destroying the um, fields where the grain was planted, you're destroying the forest, you're destroying infrastructure, everything what is Ukrainian. And you believe it's because of the threat of the NATO? So what Russia does mm. that threatens its kind of borders, what can create this conflict? What Russia does against NATO that NATO is about to attack Russia. That's the story, absolutely. Yeah. There is no grounds. Give me a call, 086-000-2032. Malou in Durban, Romeo and KZN, as well as Nigel in Durban. I'll be coming to you very shortly. Let's have a listen at some of these WhatsApp voice notes. Hi, Oliver. Um, I just want to ask your, your guests, do they think that um, the rise of uh, Joe Biden to the highest office in the United States of America has everything to do with Russia uh, invading Ukraine. Because uh, at one point, Donald Trump uh, said that he is the only U.S. president uh, under whose watch Russia never invaded any country. Their thoughts, please. Anonymous. Evening, Oliver. This lady who is in support of uh, uh, Ukraine, this one, I think she is a big liar there. Because check on the, uh, on the interview between... Aldrin and the uh, Ukrainian ambassador. She said they want to join NATO and they will join NATO. That interview is there. Aldrin did it. Now this beyond the headlines. Why does she come with the black lies? All the Ukrainian supporters, they come with the black lies. You don't know how they create those stories. Summit in Cape Town. Thank you for that, Summit. Hi, uh, Oliver. Ooh, let's go back to the lines. Mlu in Durban. Mlu, good evening. Good evening, Oliver. How are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm Luke. Go ahead. I'm fine. Oliver, I want to concur with Professor when he says this is a proxy war. Uh, Oliver, it's a proxy war. Not even a, 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 a newly born child knows he can say this thing. When America has interest and they keep pumping uh, their weapons to you, it's because there's a vested interest. We don't forget, don't, we, we, we can't ignore the fact that Joe Biden, we know that he has a vested business interest in Ukraine through these secret laboratories that they have together with Zelensky. So the, those are some of the threats that have been posed uh, to, to the Russians, which, by the way, there is a means agreement, uh, Oliver, that was signed, that uh, secures the integrity of the Russians, that nobody is going to expand to the eastern, to the western side, sorry, uh, sorry to the eastern side of, of uh, Ukraine. But suddenly everything now, so they somersault the U.S. and the Chinese parties, they somersault 
And we know what, what is the issue with NATO. NATO is an aggressive organization, no longer a defense pact, as they were started uh, uh, way back, you see. So I think I think Ukraine is caught in this thing, and they cannot pick up now because they yeah. know that Russia is grinding them. And the worst part, uh, Oliver, Ukraine is going to suffer for years to come, even if the war ends, because all their men are, are being butchered, in the, are being butchered by being pushed by U.S. to that war. And eventually, there will be a population decline eventually. Yeah. Thank you so much, Mlu. Really appreciate it. Romeo and KZN, good morning. Good evening. My apologies. Good evening. <laughs> good evening, Brother Oliver. And the, the two guests, it was the expert to your professor. I need to quickly ask you this question. Um, during the era of Mikhail Gorbachev, that was the, the era of Soviet Union, was there any agreement about the NATO, its boundary of operation, will end here, and the Soviets, uh, its own boundaries, it end here. If so, after the destruction of Soviet Union, when uh, all this country came out of Soviet Union, those uh, agreements are they still standing there that uh, um, NATO should not cross those boundaries? Hmm. Considering the fact that we see now NATO coming into, uh, according to what we are hearing, coming into the territory of the former Soviet Union. Doesn't it mean that Washington has got interest uh, in Ukraine as much as we know that Ukraine is the center of everything that we much need in terms of food, Africa and Europe? That's why we see this crisis. Isn't it not the interest of the West to disturb the lives, the security in the Eastern Bloc? So that is my question. I want to okay. understand, perhaps from the expert, yeah. uh, Mr. Uh, Professor Dr. 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 Nyere, yeah. to uh, tell us what exactly happened. Sure. Nigel in Durban, good evening. Good evening. Thank you for, for, for taking the call. Um, your, your guest is obviously an expert in international affairs. I only know what I've read over the years. But I'll make two points, if I may. Um, firstly, NATO is not an aggressive for, formation. Um, it was formed to defend the free countries of, of Western Europe against uh, the Russian Empire in Eastern Europe that Stalin established as a result of occupying countries in defeating it. Um, if, if Putin feels insecure in case Ukraine becomes part of NATO, that's very unfortunate and perhaps their feelings are genuine, but he sees a no basis. On that basis, in fact, NATO would not attack Russia um, unless Russia first attacked NATO. That's one, one point I want to make. The next point is that the fact is that, that Putin, that the reasons, the three reasons you mentioned that Putin gave for invading are, are, are in effect fake. He, he, he is a fascist dictator like Hitler. Like Hitler wanted a greater Germany, Putin wants a greater Russia. As Biden, Biden has recently said, uh, um, he, he is, Putin is, is greedy for power and, and land. And um, if, if Ukraine is just the first step, if he defeats Ukraine and incorporates it in Russia, you'll move on to something else, possibly the Baltic yeah. state, because one of them has a lot of Russian speakers. I think it's Estonia. Nigel, thank you so much for your call. I appreciate it. Thank you. Dr. Thank Nyere, you. is there a way out of this? Um, and, and, and this speaks to the second caller we had here. And, and I asked Alex earlier,
Under what conditions does he think uh, Vladimir Putin would withdraw from Ukraine? He says he doesn't know. Um, it, it would be entering the realm of speculation. But from, from your view, what would bring an end to the Russian invasion of the Ukraine? Dr. Nyere? Oh, seems... Hi, Oliver. Oh, there we go. There we um, have you. May I just put it on record before I answer your question that I do not condone war and I sympathize with the Ukrainian lady who is in studio in terms of suffering the consequences of war. I argued before that there is no real winner in terms of war because it's humanity that's destroyed. I just wanted to put that on record. Yeah. Now, coming back to your question, under what conditions is Russia willing to, to revert to normalcy? Now, I know Alex is a diplomat there, so I understand he may not be at liberty to share this, but Russia is on record actually calling out and they, they put their, their cards on the table and they called for the return of the relations that existed in 1990. So 1990 to 1992, there were talks there, uh, and they are normally referred to as the Cold War uh, Easter Egg Pact. Now, in terms of that pact, um, there are many people that I've heard, even some guests, they are quite correct on the facts. In terms of NATO's lifespan, it has outlived its lifespan. So one could argue that it's actually an illegal entity now because the Russian Federation has collapsed. Right. If, if we speak of the USSR. Right. So but then again, we could also argue that it is well within its rights to continue its existence on whatever formation, because it is the free will. However, Russia is on record putting its cards on the table, calling for the return of the boundaries that existed at the collapse of of the Cold War. By the way, may I just share that the Cold War was not actually an outright war. It was a war on ideologies, yeah. particularly between communism that was really propagated by the U.S. and communism that came from Russia. So Russia is saying, let's get back to that map, if you like. Let's get back to that what is, agreement. What, is that, and let's... what does that boundary reflect? It reflects NATO uh, giving up territory that belonged to the USSR. That's what it means. So it shouldn't be inviting Ukraine to join its fold. It shouldn't be in Poland for that matter, because that's extending far east in Eastern Europe, which did not exist uh, in 1992 at those uh, yeah. talks and pact. So yes. this is where... Oh, Dr. Nero, we seem to have lost you there. Alex, is, is Vladimir Putin nostalgic about the USSR? Again, it's better asked, uh, a question better asked to Vladimir Putin directly. Uh, I'm not inside his head. But I can comment on everything uh, our distinguished listeners uh, said and what our distinguished professor said. Because there, there's much to add on this. Well, um, sp speaking of uh, NATO returning back to 1997 borders, uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that the West Eastern Europe is falling under Russia's control. Nobody said that. Uh, it used to be the part of the Warsaw Pact, though. 
if if we if we get this guided tour into history, so here's just how the history unfold. This is actually reporting to one of those, uh, one one of the quotes that said that NATO was created as a defense against Russian Empire. For one thing, Russian Empire didn't exist back then; it was USSR. Well, to be completely exact, uh, and uh, NATO was created in 1949. Uh, there were two blocks uh, in Europe: uh, NATO and the Warsaw Pact, but. Uh, here's a food for thought. NATO was created in 1949, and Warsaw Pact was created in 1953. So it's four years after NATO established, long before Soviet Union even came up with an idea of a military bloc. Uh, why there was a gap, a year's gap between these two events? Because it's not actually the creation of NATO that made USSR create the Warsaw Pact. Specifically, it was the inclusion of West Germany. As you remember, after World War II, Germany was split into West Germany and East mm. Germany. So inclusion of West Germany was the fact that made USSR realize that we need something to counterbalance NATO. So this is why we came up with the Warsaw Pact. And yes, the West did promise not to expand it eastwards, not even to expand it, because uh, it was the condition uh, on which USSR agreed to reunify Germany as one state now. Yeah. So, uh, in order to do that, uh, well, in order to get us our, uh, well, us to agree to that, uh, NATO promised not to expand its military facilities even to the territory of East Germany, not even Eastern Europe to East Germany. Yeah. But no, uh, they they just failed to deliver uh, to, to deliver on 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 that on that uh, on that promise. Yeah. Again. You know, we have thirty seconds left. I want to ask you here: Do you see a way out of this? Yes. Uh, Russian's troops must uh, withdraw from Ukraine and the territory has to be restored as it was um, before the conflict started in 2014. Ina, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Alex, thank you so much for your time. Thank you. I do appreciate it. Dr. Nyere. My uh, greatest uh, uh, appreciation to you for joining us for this conversation. That brings us to the end of this conversation. It's not an easy conversation. It's not the end of the conversation. It's an ongoing one. The Russian invasion of the Ukraine is not just affecting Russia and Ukraine. It's affecting the rest of the world. You and I today live under conditions of hyperinflation as a result of that and so many other layers to peel off on this conversation. But that's where we ended for today. Thank you so much to all my guests for coming into studio. Greg Kroos has your news.